Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for photographer Nisha Hack. Probably the most trickiest part of my journey was balancing the, the two, it was essentially two full-time jobs. So it kind of got to the point where there was no life and just work. <laughs> it's a huge confidence boost to hear people you wouldn't know, like strangers and judges and people who are really high up in the industry telling you that you can make it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I could do this. This is good. And it, it completely changes your mindset. Yes, there she is. Uh, Nisha was the winner of the Aspire Ipsy Award, which is like the Freelancer of the Year Awards in the UK this year for 2017 as we record this. So really looking forward to speaking to her. Remember, there's over 100 episodes at beingfreelance.com. Some of them have won that award in the past, actually. Oh, my goodness. Who's won with Ipsy? The Code Guy. Uh, his was a brilliant story. Paul Allington, Ships and Pigs, Rebecca, who was made redundant and then became freelance. And then the next thing you know, she was freelance of the year. Really good chat from a couple of years ago, probably. That's Rebecca Shippham. Emmeline Pigeon, of course, who won the year that I entered. And copywriter Kelly Gilmore Grassham, who has a really great episode talks about, you know, extending from beyond just being a freelancer to be sort of forming an agency. Frankly, in over, you know, there's over 100 guests, but some of them are bound to have won that award. Uh, and yeah, yeah, they are all very different, but very interesting stories. So looking forward to speaking to Nisha. Uh, you can find us on all of the usual podcast sites for, so you can hit subscribe. Check out my vlog on YouTube and, of course, join on Twitter at Being Freelance. Uh, right now, though, let's, um, yeah, let's crack on and find out what it's like being freelance for freelance photographer Nisha Hack. Hey, Nisha. Hello. <laughs> Hi, thanks for doing this. So how about we get started? hearing about how you got started being freelance cool it's quite a long story so that's just fine cut I'll, me off if I waffle I'll, I'll make a <laughs> cup of tea you go for it <laughs> um so I thought I'll start right at the beginning um so I started photography since I was 13 school I did lots of shoots with friends and then I even had like a, a couple shoot that they paid me for it was only like 15 pounds at the time um and then I moved on to pursuing my photography college so I did an A-level photography and I found that really exciting and I thought you know what this would be really cool to do at university um so against most of my family's wishes I suppose um doing a, a non-traditional subject was a bit like oh okay you're doing that okay that's cool so I thought okay I'm gonna stick to my guns and I'm gonna do photography at university and it was definitely the best decision I made it was also during the summer whilst I was at uni I did a lot of freelancing I suppose getting a taste of what freelancing was like I worked with a company called Somerset Artworks and I did a few volunteering gigs and that's when I first got I suppose working with my photography skills um, and that was really cool I still work with them today which is really nice I've done a few video commissions for them but there was during university that I realized oh okay the whole industry is practically full of freelancers it's really hard to get a job in photography working within a company so that's when I kind of realised, OK, maybe I need to get some business skills. And it was also during this year, um, my f final year at university, 
uh, that I set up a, a social enterprise called Pentaprism magazine, uh, I noticed that the, my photography course didn't have a photography magazine and all the other courses like music and fashion had their own magazines that kind of showed the, the students artwork and stuff. So I thought, okay, photography should surely have one. And then I realised when it didn't, I thought, you know what, I'll just make my own. Um, so I had two of my friends and they embarked on the same crazy idea as me, which was good. And then we managed to get some investment from my, from my course and they invested in my idea. And yeah, it was amazing. There was a huge turnout. We had like um, an exhibition opening and magazine launch and loads of people um, contributed and we made, raised so much money um, that was able to help with our final degree show. And it was doing that when I realised, you know what, I quite like this enterprise thing, like setting up my own um, idea and working with people, like the marketing and um, the, the finance side of things and the branding, like putting it all together kind of really gave me a taste of like set up a business, I suppose. So that's when I kind of found out more enterprise opportunities. Um, I realised that my university, I went to Southampton, Solent, they were quite heavily invested into like setting up businesses. So there was this entrepreneurial funding panel that I kind of applied to. I kind of did it as a backup because I thought if I can't get a graduate job, at least I might have this to fall back on. Um, so I submitted like a business summary and did like a Dragon's Den style of pitching to like some judges. And yeah, they invested in my business. To my surprise, they doubled my original investment, which was really cool. During that time, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I can set up my own business. And when other people start believing in you, that's when you kind of feel, okay, yeah, this is, this is a potential career option. I still, at that time, I didn't feel like I was able to fully sustain myself. So for, for a year after I graduated, built up my portfolio and uh, got more networks and um, just kind of refining my craft, I suppose. Um, and that's when I managed to get a graduate job at the same university. <laughs> um, and I actually worked within the employability and enterprise department. So my colleagues... Uh, would tell me about enterprise opportunities and like what I could do to get myself involved involved with networks in my area. So that was a really nice kind of, um, I suppose, sounding board to like seeing what good ideas I had and how I can like develop them. And they told me about another entrepreneur um, funding panel in the local area. So I thought I'd go for another round of funding because in photography business, it's so much... Uh, expensive equipment like cameras cost a few grand and the iMacs and all the gear and stuff so even with my original investment I still wasn't able to kind of fully invest with getting all the equipment that I needed so they encouraged me to enter so I thought okay yeah I'll give it a go again I've got nothing to lose and yeah another Dragon's Den style of pitching this time to more judges to five judges it was really nerve-wracking, but um, it came out really good. So they invested in my own business. And I was under the Solon LEP, which is the local enterprise partnerships in my area. And a government kind of growth fund that they're investing into, like, young entrepreneurs. So that was really cool. And that's when I feel, felt like, you know what, let's just let's start my business. So it was in June 2015 that I registered my business. And that's when I start, thought, OK, let's get my name out to people, clients, and trying to get some people um, interested in my photography. 
it was also at that same time when I was invited as a guest to a wedding. Um, my partner's um, family friend was getting married and they heard that I was interested in photography. But I've never done really wedding photography before. So that's when I kind of decided, oh, OK, I could, maybe I could do wedding photography. Because they asked me to take some photos in the evening. Um, so I had my camera with me all day anyway. So I was taking photos as a guest. Um, and it was really cool because they said they preferred my photos to the official photographers. And I was like, wow, OK. <laughs> so that was like, damn, OK, maybe I should um, do wedding photography. Because I'd be really interested in portraits, families, events, that kind of style of photography anyway. And I felt like weddings really incorporated everything that I really loved doing in one big day. So that was a huge confident boost. And that was when I really thought okay wedding photography is what I'd want to base my business around so I suppose I was been doing my freelancing part-time for a couple of years I worked in um, I worked as a graphic designer and a marketer for various companies and then this summer in June um, that's when I won the UK freelance the uh, Aspire award with Ipsy and that's when I felt, felt like oh, okay yeah maybe I should maybe take the plunge and like if I feel that had national recognition for something that I was doing part-time made me feel like, you know what, this should be my ultimate goal is to go full-time and to kind of take the plunge. And the fact that so many of my peers believed in me and it was really scary because I didn't think I'd win or even get shortlisted. Um, so it was a month after that I decided to go full-time uh, with my freelancing and quit full-time work for another company. And, yeah, so I've been full-time freelance for four months now. So, yeah, that's a quite a long story, but that's how I got into it. No, it was a lovely cup of tea. There's no problem. <laughs> There's so much to unpick here, one of which I'd, I'd quite like to go back to is... It's that whole funding thing. So you're mentioning the fact that uh, doing photography, there's a lot of outlay in equipment. With those funding processes that you talked about, is that something where they end up with a chunk of your business or do they expect you to pay it back? Or is it simply a, a gift to the world in order a to... A gift to the world. Is it? Really Marvel, cool. Isn't yeah. that brilliant? So um, they're all grants. I've never taken a loan out because I'm a bit scared of, scared of loans. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they've all been grants. I've been very fortunate and managed to uh, have been recommended what to apply for or the people in my network have suggested I should try stuff out. So, yeah, I say to a lot of students, because I, I often talk about freelancing to, to um, students and graduates, start with your university or your college. Um, a lot of the times they want to invest in their own students. So that was the first place I kind of went to. And, um, yeah, it was really cool when they kind of did they really support your idea. So getting that grant, I suppose, was the kind of the first step. And, um, yeah, loads of local regions, local bodies, organisations. A lot of them have their own kind of pot money that they want to invest into local people. Um, so, that yeah, they'll just give it as a grant. So, yeah. but obviously you have to work for it. Yeah, it's not just for free. Um, <laughs> but you it's... do have to prove somewhere you're not going to just run off to the Barbados or something and go on holiday. <laughs> it's really cool working with the, the people who work in these organisations and they, they want to invest in you. Um, it's really a nice feeling to feel supported and have 
some some people behind you to 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 get where you want to be mm. in your business. Yeah, it's an interesting thought because I think most of us think you know we we just have to go alone, be it credit cards or loans. Like it doesn't feel like you know that's out there, but it's worth exploring. And so all of those things, be it winning an award or getting the funding, which is, feels like winning in itself, must give you a real, yeah, a real sense of belief that it feels like maybe you didn't have. Yeah, I'm the kind of person that um, that kind of goes on with your um, question later on about what I could tell my younger self is I'm not very good at believing myself. I think a lot of creatives um, feel the same way, that they're not good enough. They're not good enough to go for that client pitch or go for that competition. And it's it's quite hard to, especially when you're freelance, you have to go at it alone a lot of the times. You don't have colleagues to bounce off. You don't have a manager you can talk to necessarily. So you, it does feel like, oh, I've got this huge weight on my shoulders to kind of achieve everything and do everything that I want to do. It's a huge confidence boost to hear people you wouldn't know, like strangers and judges and people who are really high up in the industry telling you that you can make it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I can do this. This is good. And it, it completely changes your mindset. Like, um, I'm much more positive than I was when I first started because it was so daunting. And it, it still is really daunting, but it wasn't as scary. Because um, I just thought, oh, how am I going to make this work? But I've just taken, like, every day at a time, which has been good. So, yeah, no, definitely. So you've got the funding, you've got the confidence, but ultimately you still need the clients. How did you go about finding the work? So it's been mainly through networking, word of mouth and online marketing. It's been quite nice. A lot of my clients have said, oh, I found you from Facebook or your Instagram post and stuff like that. And I've um, set up with a lot of directories, like wedding directories. Um, so that it's been a mixture of both offline and online and then recently this year I've done a lot of wedding fairs I've done like seven wedding fairs this year so meeting potential clients who are planning their wedding I'm directly face to face with my target audience so that's been really good and also a nice way for me to suss out who would be my ideal client because the wedding photography market is really it's quite um, crowded in a sense and there's so many competitors but the thing I found is there's I feel like there's a bride and groom for every photographer because every photographer is so different in and I found like people in my local area like we're very different styles and obviously different personalities so I don't feel like we're necessarily you know competitive with each other because I feel like the client will come to you and you'll find each other that way so at wedding fairs it's been quite good to, to get that connection um, from the get-go, I suppose. Um, and same with networking. Um, when I go to like local meetups and, and things in my area and they kind of say, oh, are you so-so, you do wedding photography and stuff? Oh, my friends get married. And just that kind of way, I think that's been really helpful. I love, my friends and family have been um, amazing. They've been kind of shouting my name. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you need a wedding photographer. Yeah, go to my daughter or whatever. So that's been really nice. So... Yeah, that is great for wedding photographers being able to go to those, you know, those fairs are such an intrinsic part of, you know, getting married for so many people. How did it feel when you first went to one, though? You know, when you pitched up? It was so scary. <laughs> um, actually, the first ever wedding fair I did was an Asian wedding fair. So... I had my mum come with me and if there was any questions about... Because um, Asian uh, weddings are so different from English weddings. 
And I've only really mainly predominantly photographed English weddings to this point. So I've only photographed one Asian wedding before. And that was a Hindu wedding. So when I had like a Sikh couple came up to me and they were um, talking bits about the ceremony, I wasn't really sure what they were talking about because I wasn't too familiar. But my mum really helped <laughs> get an understanding like the, the major differences. And that was a really good kind of just throwing myself in there and seeing what the industry was like because I wasn't going to be upset if I didn't get any bookings because I knew it was more kind of just market research um, and that was really cool because with any wedding fair I also try and get to meet as many suppliers there so I've networked with a hair and makeup artist and from that we did a photo shoot together which was really cool um, so yeah it was daunting but it was really good because I managed to kind of focus on what are my main products that I wanted to show so I had like a few wedding albums that I had created um, like sample albums and like different um, photo frames and prints so it kind of really made me focus on okay this is the work that I want to show um, so it was, yeah, it was really good. It was really interesting. And then the first English wedding fair that I did was at a beautiful location. The sun was shining and, yeah, and I got a few bookings from that. So that was good fun. So, yeah, Ooh. exciting. And w when you say about, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram, that's simply putting out content or have you um, done advertising like Facebook ads and things? A bit of both. I'd like to do more Facebook advertising, but I've taken a bit of a back burner on that because I wanted to kind of go back and reevaluate what my target audience is because there's so many different settings in Facebook advertising. Um, but at the moment, I've been doing mainly putting new content out on to my followers. Um, so like blog posts or what I've been doing this week or sneak peeks, I call them, from like recent shoots and recent weddings. And a lot of the times I befriend my, um, my clients on Facebook. So when I upload their wedding photos, if they'd like me to, um, then they tag all their friends and their family. So it gets a lot of um, mm. organic reach, which is really good. And do you find that, you know, so you might come away with a bunch of leads from a fair, but, you know, what sort of follow-up process do you then take? Um, so I try to get um, as many um, contact details as I can. So one of the things that I do is offer a free engagement session. So that kind of entices people to leave um, their contact details. And on the form, I get to have them write what their wedding date is. So for me, it's quite handy to know if I'm available that date or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but for them, they get a free yeah. uh, um, engagement shoot out of it. So that's been really good. So, so far, so good. It's been, it's been converting and I've also been got, uh, be getting some really good leads out of the, the contact details that way. Um, so, yeah, that's how I've kind of got the leads after the the wedding fair and I've given them follow-up emails and calls and then yeah I'm meeting a couple of clients um this week and next week from wedding fairs so fingers crossed that goes well um so yeah that's how I suppose yeah I've kind of followed up after a wedding fair yeah that's that's a that's a good old ploy there you know with the free engagement photo session you um I mean, you mentioned earlier, like suddenly getting into the marketing and the business stuff. It sounds like it's something you really enjoy thinking about. Yeah, I like try to. I think I've always wanted to be my own boss. Uh, that's probably why I jumped both feet into freelance and so early. 
um, compared to like what I originally thought. Oh, you know, three to five years, then I'll I'll go into full time freelance. But like, nah, two years, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and it's because I like the control of um, doing all the different things that. I don't like two days being the same. That's probably why I didn't get on very well in an office environment. Uh, Because, like, one day I like to go out to a shoot um, in, like, the new forest or something, which is beautiful. And then the next day I'll be editing photos, and the next day I'll be client meetings, and the next day I'll be, like, planning what I could do and strategize my business. So, yeah, there's lots of different aspects, and it, it makes it more enjoyable that I'm getting to do lots of different things. So it keeps me preoccupied, which is good. So, yeah, I do like doing all the different aspects of running the business. Cool. Just to rewind, actually, to that period where you were working full time, but doing this, you know, freelancing on the side, which lots of people do. Like, how, how did you find that? How did you cope managing your time then? Yeah, so it was probably the most trickiest part of my journey um, to where I am today was, yeah, balancing the, the two, it was essentially two full-time jobs. So it kind of got to the point where there was no life and just work. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I suppose it was quite skewed, the work-life balance. But um, I, because I was just so passionate about wanting to make my business work, I just I was just determined to not let it get me and obviously there have been days and like my housemates and my partner you know could see like oh I'm stressed and I'm trying to get everything done and meet the deadlines and uh, especially in my last job my um, commute in the morning would be like 45 minutes each way so it would be a good like eight nine hours um, working for another company including the commuting time and then coming home in the evenings and like staying up until two or three in the morning sometimes to get my work done and all the editing and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously the weekends I wouldn't be able to see a lot of my family and my friends and my family would be really good like because I, I said to them like I'm not going to be able to meet for these you know family meetups and stuff and there was a lot of things that I'd missed out on. So it was it was tricky trying to manage the two and also um, not letting my colleagues down. Like I didn't want to turn up to work looking tired and not being switched on. And it, it does take its toll when you're trying to juggle so much work. And obviously I didn't want to let my clients down either. So, yeah, it kind of got to the, I suppose, the bubbling point when I realised I can't manage two lives as such. And obviously I didn't want to... It was affecting my, my mental health. Like I didn't want to be unhappy I wanted to, the reason I wanted to do photography in the first place was to do something that I love and the fact that I wasn't getting the happiness out of my work-life balance is that's when I kind of realized I should quit one or the other so yeah that's when I decided to go full-time and obviously with the the support from the award that was kind of like the best time to kind of be in the best place to to go full time with it. So yeah, to all those people, um, I know how hard it is to struggle the two jobs. I got a lot of my friends at the time said, "How do you do it? Like, how do you run two um, full time jobs?" And it just takes a lot of grit. I think that's what it is, and just no sleep. <laughs> but it, you get there in the end. You get there. In the end. It's all rosy at the end. That, that's for sure. Now your website. Uh, is really nice. Oh, thank you. How how long has it looked like that though? Like was it was that something that you've um, you concentrated on really early on? 
I've always really been into design, so it was actually I was debating between doing graphic design at university or photography. Um, so I've always had a background in design. I've been interested in web design as well. I would always, in the summer holidays, like play around with making websites from scratch and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for saying that my website's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but one one thing I do notice though is is this. Uh, so ob- weddings is the dominant feature. That's you know that's how it comes across. But you do also then feature lifestyle and also commercial. You know so you know, uh, photography for businesses as well. Was that something you were hesitant about doing, like when you decided to focus on weddings or something you just found there was a need for? Or do you think, well, people who get married run businesses too? I don't know. Um, That's a good question. I've always been interested in the social element of photography. Um, And I feel like at this time, I wouldn't want to just specialise in weddings um so as something I've been kind of thinking oh should I take make two brands should I make two websites so it's not too confusing but I thought well it's just one of me so I thought I'll just put everything under one umbrella and I put the different tabs and and I really enjoyed working with small businesses startups and it's something that I found like a lot of my friends because I'd be networking with a lot of um kind of young entrepreneurs and um, startup networking kind of style um, um, talks and things like that. They'd ask, oh, do you, can I have a headshot or do you do any kind of commercial photography and want to set up my website and things? And that's when I kind of found that there was a niche for people looking because there's so many new freelancers um, in, in my generation compared to before. Um, so I felt like, you know what, I'd like to help out other businesses, especially small businesses, uh, with their website and their very commercial photography needs. And I, I really like meeting and networking with other people that way, so that's why I kind of offer that too. And also, weddings are seasonal, um, so it's a very summer-orientated kind of... Like, I'm really busy in the summer when I'm doing weddings, but when it comes to the autumn, winter, that's when I kind of focus more mm. on my commercial work. So in my business plan, when I first started, I was like, OK, what am I going to do in the winter? Because, <laughs> like, you get a few festive weddings, and I love doing that. So I've got a few weddings in, in um, December. But, yeah, when it hits January, February time, and even March, still people are feeling a little bit like, mm, it's cold, it's wet. Um, and that's when, that's why I get to do a lot of commercial work. Um, so I feel like that's kind of, it kind of fits with my yearly calendar, I suppose. So, yeah, that's how I kind of split my time. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, the, the whole business plan thing. Do you think you would have done a business plan were it not for applying for the funding? I think the funding helped, um, like, it forced me into writing a business, like, summary and, like, putting a plan together. And it does help you focus. I think um, I probably would have, if I didn't go for the funding, I probably would have struggled and tried to set up the business um, and then realised, oh, this is not working, and I would have probably gone back to making a business plan. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it was really good to have. And I suggest that to any freelancers. A lot of freelancers feel that it's not one in the business, but it's the exact same thing. Like you having to, you know, run your whole um, cash flow, the finance, the marketing, and that is running a business. So it's interesting how a lot of people kind of see themselves as, oh, no, I'm a freelancer. Oh, no, I'm a CEO of a company. And there's lot, I'm an entrepreneur. There's lots of different names for the same thing. 
Um, but I see it as just, yeah, it's just running a business, just a one-person one business, I suppose. Yeah. And you mentioned a community of young entrepreneurs and things like that. Where where, where have you found them? Like, where, where have you... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, basically, to you know, to find like-minded people. And that's a good question. Um, so one of the things was when I applied for the first funding um, for the university, the university set up uh, an alumni um, entrepreneur kind of network or people looking to set up their own business. So that was when I was first introduced of like-minded people. And a lot of them tended to be quite young, but actually they were alumni from all, all years. So going back to the 80s and stuff. So you had... We're mixing in people from different ages, which is really interesting, and hearing people from different industries. I think a lot of freelancers can get caught up in their own industry and not realise actually this is how I do it in my industry, and and you get to learn so much from other people who are doing it the different ways than you. Um, so that's kind of when I first started kind of networking, I suppose, and I, I like to get myself stuck in and, and involved with different things that's happening and lucky for me I live in a city so there's there is a lot going on and I've tried lots of different kind of networking events I've been to breakfast brunches and stuff where you have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and me and me um and network that way I realized for me I don't think I can wake up that early but <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't last too long but it, it was really interesting and it really opened my eyes to the different types of the networking format. Um, I went to recently in Bristol a couple of weeks ago with Enterprise Nation. They had a festival of female entrepreneurs. And that was really interesting, kind of hearing people talk about what it's like to be a female entrepreneur and setting up a business. So that way, meeting like-minded people when you go to these types of talks. Uh, and also um, winning the award of Ipsy. The fact that they're an association um, for self-employed people, um, that really opened the doors to meeting so many different freelancers and the cohort that I was in, so the other people that were shortlisted. Uh, I made good friends with them and we chat, even though they're up, up north and I'm down south, we still tweet each other and stuff and kind of give each other other advice. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's just the way I found networks. And even if you live in a really rural area, there's definitely groups and coffee meetups and stuff like that. that have, uh, Facebook has been really good for me. Um, there's been loads of kind of like there's a wedding supplies group that I'm a part of and we all chat on there. Um, so it's a safe place to feel like you can you can chat about your problems without having to worry about clients seeing your your worries and stuff like that. So, yeah, a mixture of meeting people out and about in the local area and Facebook's been really good, too. Mm, cool. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie and let me figure out the lie. So what do you have for me? <laughs> this is really tricky, but um, I ended up, they all ended up being school related. So, okay, I'm going to give it a go. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I was commended by the head teacher at my school on my reproduction science story called Sammy the Sperm and Ella the Egg. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the next one was I once won a guitar in a Battle of the Bands competition at school for the Best Musician Award. And another one is I came first place for javelin on sports day at school because all the other kids had foul throws, so I won by default. <laughs> OK, I don't know why you'd make up Sammy's sperm and Ella egg if that weren't true. 
That's quite... <laughs> and given... Yeah, yeah, okay. So I reckon that must be true. So but why would you make up... I want Javelin to be true as well. Think So did you already play for Catal in the Battle of the Bands? Yeah. What did you play? I was the lead singer and I played guitar uh, with my band, so we just played a few cover songs. What was your band called? Oh, oh I can't remember. Oh, it's probably something really... Oh, I can't remember. No, I can't remember. Right. I think that's where I smell a fish. I don't think the Battle of the Band's guitar story is true. Oh, no, it's true, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking there's no way you wouldn't remember the name of your band. <laughs> Everybody... This is like way back in year nine or something when I was like 14. Yes, I, but it's still your band name. It's something... I'm, ah, okay, so which was the... Okay, Javelin wasn't true. Yeah. I came third place. <laughs> and it's true because the other kids did have foul flies, but I didn't come first. I came third. <laughs> so hang on. In the competition where all the other kids had foul throws, you still managed to come third? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the proudest sporting achievements. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't blame you. Um, brilliant. Now, you kind of touched on this earlier, but if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Um, I'd say it's not to be afraid and just kind of get that out, get, get out there and do it, I suppose. I'm, I'm more of a, a warrior and a thinker and rather than just doing it. Um, so I have sit on, just kind of just sat on things longer than I should have done or could have done and could have just got out there and I could have just started it a lot earlier. Um, so I'd say to myself, uh, my younger self, is to not be afraid. The fact that I'm good enough and I can do it, I think it's that positive thinking and that mindset I really is. It's really important. Um, and it's never as bad as you think. We always kind of think it's going to be really horrible and catastrophic. But um, actually, yes, it turns out okay. Unless it's the javelin competition. <laughs> Based on what you just said... Do you ever sit there, I mean, maybe you're not somebody who wishes you'd done something else in the past and no regrets and all that, but do you ever think, oh, I, you know, I, I worked two years full-time doing this on the side, I, I could have done this sooner? Yeah, I do sometimes think, oh, I could have done this sooner, this would have saved a lot of stress and anxiety and stuff like that that a lot of freelancers struggle with. But at the same time, I feel like if I hadn't gone through all that kind of stuff that I had to do with I don't think I'd be as strong as I am now compared to last year or the year before um so I feel like the slow and steady approach to growing my business has been the best way it has been really hard but I think I know a few people uh, good friends of mine um they've done it the other way around so they've gone feet first and really kind of dived into going to full-time freelance um, and then found it could be tricky later down the line with cash flow and stuff. So I was um, careful in when I had my full-time job, I would save money and only reinvest money into my business that I made for my business. So if I had rent and bills to pay, it would come from my full-time job salary, I suppose. So I felt like it wasn't a lot of risk or pressure. 
um, if I wasn't getting the money from clients or if I had like a dry month or something like that. So yeah, I definitely, for people who are balancing two jobs is to save and put money aside for a rainy day because you never know when it might be useful. Excellent. Uh, Nisha, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Don't forget, go to beingfreelance.com and there'll be links through to Nisha's website and, you know, find her on social media and stuff as well so that you can say hello, beingfreelance.com. Hit subscribe on the podcast, on the vlog, on the newsletter. And Nisha, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Brilliant. Thank you. It was great talking to you as well. Thank you. Thank you.